So uh, if, you, if, if, if you haven't been here before, there usually are a lot of times there's two of us sitting up here, myself and Ed, the other lead pastor of Ignite Church, and he is out of town this weekend. He'll be back. And so I got it all by myself. And um, so you, you're going to get to hear the best of the two of us speaking this morning. Uh, you can, if you see Edward, you can tell him I said that because it's, it, it's all fun. We get along just great, and we all know the truth. So when I say the word God, what picture do you get in your mind? Probably for a lot of us in here, it's different. Some of us might think, yeah, it's that guy that's going to send people to hell. Or you might think, oh, it's God who always tells me I'm doing wrong. Or you may, there's a whole, there's a whole lot of different things you could be picturing in your mind. Try it for me. Okay, I'm going to say it again. God. Now, what picture do you get? Some may, there may be blank. There may be nothing because you're not familiar with God. This may be the first time you've stepped into church. Well, again, if that's you, we're so glad that you came today. And we want you to know that the most accurate picture of God is found in the Bible. There's descriptions of God and who he is and what he's like. And many of those descriptions are written by a guy named David. This guy, David, lived a long time ago, and he ended up being the king of Israel back then. And throughout his life, he had some ups and downs, and David did a lot of good things, and he did a lot of not good things, but he was honest about all of it. And David would write down what he was thinking, write down his prayers to God, write down what was going on in his life. And so through this series, we've been taking a look at that. And it's because of something that David wrote. In Psalm 46.1, we, we catch a picture of God, and here's what he said. God, I mean, David wrote, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. An ever-present help in trouble. God is always with us, and he's eager to help us. And so we started, let's look at David, and let's, let's, Let's talk about it. So the whole series, I Can Help You With That, is it's God talking and looking down at me and you and saying, hey, whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing in life today, I can help you with that. God wants to help us with things. He, he, he's our biggest support. Now, today, we're going to use David's life again, and we're going to take a look at something called sin. Now, I know, I know, the, the moment that if you've been in church or, or maybe you've, it just depends on what your view of God is. When, when I say the word sin, you might be thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go. Here, here, now, here, another one of those guys, he's going to tell us what, you know, everything that we're doing wrong, everything that I do is bad, and I need to repent, I need to live better, blah, 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 blah. I've heard this over and over, and I'm tired of it. You know, give me some good news, all that, you know, here, here we go. I know. He's gonna, I'm going to have to memorize the Ten Commandments before I leave here today. Well, I, sin is bad. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And it's definitely harmful. So that doesn't change. But I want to give you a maybe a little bit different perspective on, on sin. I'm going to give you a, a maybe a little bit different definition than you've heard before. And hopefully, it'll help us get a little better understanding of why it's something that we 
really don't need in our lives. So I want to start with this view of, of sin, give you that definition, and then we're going to talk about David and a place and a time in his life where he went through and how he processed one of his most, uh, in the church world, one of his most famous sins. Now, so here we go. God designed a life for each of us, uh, and God's design is more fulfilling, uh, more uh, it's just better than anything we could create ourselves. And in case you didn't know this, and this is a difficult one for guys, you know, me and, and maybe some of you other folks, that God just knows more than you do. Okay? He's, he's got things figured out better than you do. He has a better plan than you or I could ever come up with for our own selves. And hey, I think some of us are probably pretty smart. And we got some things figured out pretty well. Well, God has a, has a plan that's even better than that. And he designed life for us. So, in, in essence, sin is, I mean, we can define it this way. It's the failure or the refusal of human beings like me and you to live the life that God designed for us or that God designed us for. That, that's a, that maybe that might be a little bit of a new definition for you for what sin is, a refusal or the failure of us to live the life that God designed us for. Now, here's how that starts. So this, this word sin, this refusal, this failure, it starts with a thought, a thought in our brain that denies or ignores truth. Like, mm, I, yeah, I know, but mm, I'm going to do it this way anyway, or I'm going to go this direction. It denies or ignores what's true about what's going on in my life and in your life. When that happens, a progression takes place. And we go from that thought to some sort of action. And that action, if it's the failure or it's the refusal, what happens is that action is always damaging. It always brings something into your life that you don't really, really want. The writer of Romans, a guy named Paul, he put it in no uncertain terms when he, he defined, or he, he gave a, a picture of this sin. He said it very simply, sin's meager wages is death. God designed life, but sin pays us death. Now, stick with me for a few minutes, stick with me. Even though sin is sometimes candy-coated, you know, it's like, man, I know that this is probably going against what is right, or I know this is probably going against what, what might be in the Bible or something that God has said, but it just looks so good. It just feels so good. It just sounds so good. I promise you, even though that might be true, the only lasting benefit from sin is death. Death is a horrible result. I mean, everybody in here has experienced it in some way, form, or fashion. You might be telling me, you know, well, I don't know. I, I've done wrong things, and I do wrong things right now, but I don't care because I'm still alive. Things are okay. I still got enough money. I still can pay my bills. I, you know, my, my family's doing all right. Okay. Wait a day or a couple days. or it Just different things happen in different time frames, but eventually... It leads to something dying. Now, 
Uh, death, is, it comes in a variety of forms. And it's always the result of denying or ignoring the truth from God. Something like this, maybe a relational death. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe emotional death and just completely collapse. Maybe you've experienced that. Uh, physical death has happened. And then there's other things like the death of your dreams. They kind of die because you don't go the direction that God has made for your life. Because his direction is the best, and we decide, I'm going to go a different way. Your dreams start to die. Your desires, the things that you wanted, they start to die. Your hope starts to die. Maybe you've experienced something like that. I have. I've experienced these things. But I have good news for you. God wants to save us from a life of death. He's not up there thinking, I cannot wait until they mess up so I can hammer them. I can't wait. Just, you just let them do that one more time. One more, one more time. One more time, and I'm, we are going to just tear them. That's, that's not what God's doing. That is not an accurate, accurate picture of God. God's up there thinking, come on, get it right this time. Like a lot of you for your, child, for your children and your kiddos, you are pulling for them to go the right way, not hoping they go the wrong way so you can show them who's boss. Uh, now, if, if, if by, ha- by chance you're doing that, we need to talk, okay? God wants to save us from a life of death because it takes us away from him, our number one support. Uh, it takes us away from the best possible version of our lives. You might think, and you may be experiencing good stuff in your life right now, but I promise there is a best possible version of your life, and, and I would like to see you and me and everyone else living that life. Now, uh, let me be really clear and be open and honest. I am not saying, so don't go home and tell people that I said this, because I didn't. I am not saying that if you and I just do everything that's in the Bible, do everything that God said, that life will be perfect, that I won't have to experience any more pain I won't have any bad things happen in my life. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'll be, uh, my, my, my creditors are all going to tell me I don't have to pay anything back. I'm going to win the lottery tomorrow, and I get to move to Hawaii next week. I'm not saying that. In life, there will be pain. doesn't matter what you do. Life does happen, and things do happen, and we do experience things we don't like. But if we're going down the road, And living the life God made us for, those things are not the biggest deal. The biggest deal is the life God gives us. But you can go the other way, where those things become worse. And some of us have lived that way. We'll we'll, we'll see if we can relate to any of it here in a second. Sin, that failure or that refusal to live the life God designed us for, it kills something in our life, every single time I've experienced it, I'm telling you it's true. When we sin, we're going a different direction than towards what is best. So I want you to picture with me, I'm gonna try to help you out. Picture with me um, a street sign, like you're at a road. Y'all like how I did that? Are you able to picture this sign? And you, know, you can go one way or the other. You're at like a T, and you got, which way do I go? 
You can, you can pick, these are your options every time. Your options are, you can pick truth, which is the best possible outcome. You know, what's really true, what's, real, what's reality, what, what's God's design for my life. I can pick that way, or I can go the other way, because you do have a choice. And I can choose to take that sin, that refusal, or that failure, and, and I, can, I can get head for a life of extra pain, a life that's full of extra disappointment and death. Now, this is a stupid question, and I know, and I don't really expect you to answer out loud, but if you were standing at this road that you see behind me, and you're looking at that sign, and you had to go one way or the other, which one would you choose? If you would choose, I got to look at him again. If you would choose to go this way, right, we need to talk. That's not the way to go. That doesn't even make sense looking at it practically. Nobody would choose extra pain and extra disappointment and death. Now, I'm going to drop a bomb on you, okay? And you might be surprised in here at this that um, I'm going to be honest with you today. My wife, Diana, has chosen sin before. Now, the good news is I asked her if I could say that, and she said it was okay. Um, how many of you guys in here have your wife, you know, you're in the same boat, your wife has just sinned. Don't, don't raise your hand. Um, all right, how about this then? How many of us in here, men or women, would be, a will, be willing to admit that we have turned to the right before? I have. I, I definitely have. Now, of those of us that have done that, Think, think for a second, are those other things true of, that are on that sign? Was there, did you think, man, I wish I wouldn't have gone that way? I wish I wasn't going through this pain. Man, that was disappointing. I, I should have gone the other direction. It's likely you've experienced that. Well, if you're like Diana or other people, I've got some more good news for you. God can help you with that choice. Even if you're a good ways down that road, God can help you get on the road that's the best version of your life. So let's take a look at David. This guy David that we've been talking about the last few weeks, he's the king of Israel when this story we're about to read. And we're gonna pick up with one of his most famous sins that if you've been in the church and you've heard the stories, this is like one of the big ones that where David just messed up. So as we go through the story and the rest of this morning, see if any of this relates to you, if, it, if you can relate to any of it at all. Here we go. We're gonna start in 2 Samuel. This is the story before we read Psalms where David's talking about the story. Here we go. In the spring, the kings would go out to war. So in the spring, David, king of Israel, sent out Joab, his main commander, big guy, he sent him out, his servants, and all the Israelites. He sent them to war. They destroyed the Ammonites and attacked the city of Ramah. So they, they won. These guys are out there fighting, and they, they beat up their enemies. But David the king stayed in Jerusalem. Now, for those of you that are familiar with this story, you might recognize he's already starting to turn the wrong way right here. Um, but if not, that's okay. Keep, keep going. 
One evening, while David is home and his guys are fighting, David got up from his bed. He couldn't sleep. Must be the middle of the night or something. And then got up walking around. He walked, on, he walked around on the roof of his palace. So he walks outside, and while he was on the roof, he saw a woman bathing. She was very beautiful. So David sent his servants to find out who she was. So David wakes up. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, you know, walks around on the you know, roof of his palace. He can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't know if he had a telescope and was looking through a window or... I don't know exactly what the guy was doing, but, you know, and I, honestly, I don't know why the gal's, you know, bathing in the open. I don't understand that. But that's what's happening. And David sees her, says, huh, well, she's naked. Of course, he's going to say, huh. Story goes on. David sent his servants to find out who she was. A servant answered, well, the woman is Bathsheba, the daughter of Aliam. She's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So, there's really cool names in the Bible. So this, somebody says, hey, her name is Bathsheba. We, we, you know, yeah, you know, I know her. And her husband is Uriah. And in case, in case you don't know the story, Uriah is one of the soldiers. Uh, and a very, very honorable soldier at that. Well, let's keep going. David sent messengers to bring Bathsheba to him. So David's at home, when everybody else is fighting, he sees another guy's wife, and then he's the king, he can do what he wants. So he has somebody bring this beautiful woman to him. When she came to him, he had physical relations with her. They slept together. Then she went back to her house, but Bathsheba became pregnant. This is one of David's most glaring, most famous wrong turns. She sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. Now, which way did David choose? I just told you in case you weren't listening. He went the wrong way, right? He chose the, the path that's not going to be good. Now, so if you remember, sin's meager wages are death. I'm going to tell you the rest of the story, but it would, if you haven't heard this or maybe you haven't heard it in a while, it'd be great to go back and read this whole story, 2 Samuel 11. Read it. There's a lot more stuff that happens than what I'm going to say uh, this morning. But here, here's how it all went down. David, knows, okay, he's like, oh, man, she's pregnant. This was wrong. Shouldn't have done that. Uh, I got to fix it. So he calls for Uriah from the front lines and says, bring him home. So Uriah, the husband, comes home and he says, hey, man, spend some time with your wife. Hang out. Rest a little while. Well, Uriah's like, no. Uh, I don't want to do that. My guys are out there fighting, and we'll, uh, he's, he's, I, I can't. My, you know, while it, how, how can I do that when my men are out there fighting? So Uriah didn't go home. He stayed at the palace. Well, David, you know, in his mind, it's like, if I can get Uriah to go home for a couple days, well, husbands and wife are going to do what husband and wives do, and we can pass off this child as his. That was his plan. He tried for a few days, and Uriah said, no, I need to be out there fighting with my men. How could I do? I can't. I'm not going to do that. And in this day and this time especially, that was an extremely honorable, loyal thing for Uriah to do, a great man. And, I mean, David said, I, 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 I'm going to get him drunk. Then, I mean, you know, when he's drunk, he's going he's gonna to go home. Didn't happen. 
He got him drunk, but he still refused. So then David goes further down the wrong road. David realized his plan wasn't going to work, so he's got to fix it. He's got to fix this mess he made. So he wrote a letter. And this letter he wrote, he sealed it. And the way it worked back then, they would write a letter, and maybe you've seen this in some fancy invitations. They'd fold it up, and they would take some wax and, and heat it up and stamp his seal that, that shut the letter, that nobody could open it except who it went to, or else everybody would know. And that's what he did. So he sent this letter, or he wrote this letter, and he handed it to Uriah as Uriah was going back to fight. 2 Samuel eleven fifteen. 15. In the letter, David wrote, put Uriah on the front lines where the fighting is worst. Then leave him there alone. Let him be killed in battle. So essentially, David murders this man. Maybe not by his own hand, but he puts in the command, let this man die. Makes you kind of angry at David, huh? It'd make me a little, you know, I don't know if I like this guy. So David sins once, goes the wrong way, refused, failed to go in God's best direction for his life. And to cover it up, he does it again. This time he kills somebody. Again, read the rest of the story because some, some pretty serious things happen, one of which Bathsheba's baby dies. The meager wages of sin are always death in some form. So now these aren't the only wrongs, only wrong turns that David took in his life. These aren't the only things that he messed up at, but certainly, again, glaringly wrong. David owned up to what he did, and uh, he owned up to his sin. And we see in several places throughout his life, he wrote about it. And how, his, how he talked to God about it and what was going on, and including the story we just learned. So we're going to look here in Psalm 51, where, where David is calling out again after this horrible debacle in his life. He's calling out to God again. It's amazing the mercy of God here. Here we go. Verse 1. God, be merciful to me because you're loving. Because you're always ready to be merciful. Uh, you know, have you ever had your child come to you like that? <clears throat> Dad, you're awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, I, you know, I just love the way you did this, Dad. I love the way that you were just so kind. You're like, mm-hmm. well, God, God's no different. Because you're always ready to be merciful, wipe out all my wrongs. Was the right thing to do. He's asking for God to get help. He's asking God for help to get rid of his wrongs that he tried to fix, and he, did, he couldn't do it. He knows he can't undo him. My question at this point is, can you relate to this? Maybe not the specific subject, but maybe. But can you relate to saying, God, I, I did it again. I took the wrong turn. I can't fix this. I need help. David did it. Let's keep, keep going. He kept writing. I know about my wrongs. I know I've done wrong. I can't forget my sin. It's like glaring in front of me all the time. You're the one I, you are the one I've sinned against. I've done what you say is wrong. Sin, refusal, or failure to go the direction 
that God has for your life. I was brought, let me back that up. I kind of see his tone changing. He's, I think he's being extremely honest and open, but he says something here that's almost like a, almost like a, I don't know if it's an excuse, but it, it is definitely a, hey, God, well, here's, here's the problem. Here's, here's how it is. I, I've done what you say is wrong. I was brought into this world in sin. In sin, my mother gave birth to me. He says this, God, my family has a history of sin. It's all in my whole family. I was born in it. It's what we do. We, I don't, I don't know what David's last name was. Is anybody, I hope nobody in here's name is Smith, because we're going to call him David Smith. That's what the Smiths do. It sounds like, by his phrase, he's like, God, I was even born this way because I was an illegitimate child. In my mom's sin, I was born. There's some scholarly theories that that's exactly what this means. That either David's dad or David's mom stepped out on the other one. And that's how he was born. And if that's true, his life was surrounded by shame. It was surrounded by this sin where you're, you know, you're that illegitimate one. So he's like, God, it's been my whole life. Everybody, that's all I've known. That's what's been modeled to me is sin. This is, this is my, my parents' fault to some degree. My question is at this point, can, um, can you relate to this? Has your family led you the wrong way? Were you born into sin? Is it, is it all you've ever known is going the opposite direction? Maybe you can relate. He keeps talking, take away my sin and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. He's like, I need help. Make me hear sounds of joy and gladness. Let the bones you crushed be happy again. I know we don't talk like this specifically today, so that's why I'm kind of breaking it up here to help it make sense to my own brain. But I feel like he was saying there's so much death going on in his life at that moment. And by the way, again, that baby that started, well, was the result of what started all this, the baby died. And David hears nothing but pain and sorrow. He's forgotten what it's like to hear sounds of good things, people laughing. I got to tell you all, I don't hardly take side steps, but here's one little one. One of the best things that I look forward to every single week is to be here like prior to church or in between services on Sunday morning and hear all the people in our crew laughing and having fun. That's one of the best sounds David wasn't hearing any of those type of sounds. It was all bad, sad, gloomy stuff. Have you ever been to a place in your life where you've been surrounded, seemingly surrounded by nothing but death and destruction, where you couldn't even remember what good sounds sounded like anymore? Can you relate to what David was going through in some form or fashion? One, one more little piece of what David said. He's talking to God. Remember, do not send me away from you. He's like, God, I messed up. Don't give up on me now. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Give me back the joy that comes when you save me. Keep me strong by giving me a willing spirit. Last time. Uh, we see his fear here. He's like, this, I might have messed up for the last time. 
God might, might cut me off now because I really, I, really, I really blew it. And then he says something um, that I think is so amazing. Well, he says, give me back the joy that comes when you save me. We're going to talk about that in a sec. But then he goes, he says, keep me strong by giving me a willing spirit. I'm going to give you my version of that. And what I, if, if, what that says to me and how that processes inside my, my little brain. I think he's saying, God, help me. I'm, I'm, I need your help because I want to want to choose what's right. I want to want to choose what's right, but I don't always want to. Does that make sense? Give me a willing spirit that wants to choose the right direction, because I don't always have that. I have this other want. Paul talks about that in some of the things he wrote in the Bible. I want to want to go the right way. Give me a willing spirit. I think David was probably on the verge of depression at this point, too, because his kid died. Things are bad. He's murdered somebody. He stole the guy's wife. He sent the letter by the guy's own hand to have himself killed. That's just insane. And I think he's spiraling at this point, and he's saying, God, help me. Help me to choose wisely. Help me to want to do what's right. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to any of the things that we've talked about? So I'm going to hammer, uh, not hammer, that's the wrong word. I'm going to give you a list of questions, okay, and see if any of these are yes to your, to your life. It's going to be a little bit of a repeat, but here we go. Have you sinned? Have you refused or failed to go the way that God planned for your life? Have you felt guilty about it? See, I already know the answer to the first question is yes, whether you say it is or not, because I'm a person like you, and I've, I've done it. Have you ever wished someone could just take away all your mistakes? Oh, man, I wish they could just all be erased. I wish somebody could just wipe it out like it never happened and have a fresh start. Have you ever felt like your uh, life was full of death? And that's the only sounds you heard. Have you, have your, is your whole family full of going the wrong way? Is your whole family full of going down the wrong path and you see the pain and the destruction and that's what they've taught you to do or you've always, you, and, and you just see it but you don't really know how to fix it? Have you ever felt like you messed up so much that death is what you see and experience every day? If the answer to those things or any of those things is yes, then you've taken a wrong turn at some point. Here's the good news. God doesn't want you going down that road. He doesn't want to beat you for going down that road. He wants to help you turn around and go the other way because the life God built for you is the best possible version of how you could ever live. And that's what he wants for you. If, you've, uh, if you're living that life of extra pain, extra disappointment, and death, you're in the same boat as David was, 
You know, no, I didn't have anybody killed. Well, okay, but you've done something. I mean, all of us have. So, so you're in the same boat, and you're in the same boat as a lot of other people in this room. Just look to your left and your right. One of those two people has sinned before, at least. Here's what you can do about it. Y'all are, y'all are supposed to at least think that was a little bit funny. Uh, here's what you can do. If though any of those answers were yes, here, here's what you can do about it. You can cry out to God for help. God, I need your help. I've gone the wrong direction. I, I have blown it big time. There's another true story in the Bible. It's about Jesus who said, you know what? These folks need some help, so they all have to pay for their sin because that's, that's like, that's a law that we all live by whether we know it or not. And Jesus said, I want to pay for it for them. So whatever your mistakes, whatever wrong roads you went down, Jesus said, I'll take care of it if, if they'll have me. So he died on the cross to pay for our sins because death was a requirement for sin. And without, without Jesus paying for that, neither one of, none of us would have any hope or any right to ask God for help. But because he did, then God can accept us into his family. And if today you're in the spot where, hey, I need to do that. I haven't, I've never been part of God's family. I've never asked God for help. You could start with something like this. God, I need your help. Please for, forgive me for doing wrong, for going against you. Please forgive me for sin. Maybe you didn't have the quite you know, right perspective of it yet. God, please forgive me. I want Jesus to rule my life because I'm tired of this extra pain. I'm tired of this. I, I want my future to be with you, God, and not somewhere else. I want your Holy Spirit to guide me from today on. I've messed up so much. Will you, will you clean me up? Will you come into my life? Will you save me? And I guarantee God's answer to you is gonna be yes. Now, you might still go through some stuff that you started. You might still take a few licks. You might still go through some pain because you're already down that road. You might have to pass by it again to get out, but at least you'll be getting out. So you cry out to God. The next thing you do, if, if any of this stuff is related to you, acknowledge that your history steered you wrong. God, I've had the wrong leading. Uh, my family steered me wrong. My friends steered me wrong. I've gone the wrong direction. Maybe I just chose it all by myself because I just wanted to be bad. Well, help me choose truth from here on out. But yeah, God, my history's taken me the wrong way. Ask for a reminder of what it's like to have life without constant death. God, can you give me a glimpse and help me remember what real life is about? Because I think I've gotten it confused. I can't even remember anymore. Help me really come to life. And finally, ask God to help you have a spirit that is willing to choose the truth. God, help me to want to, want to go the right way. And he'll help you with that too. And I'm gonna give you a little tip. If you're in any of those spots and you're like, God, I'm, I'm going to start following you. I'm going to choose the true side. Keep following. Get plugged in with what's going on. I mean, you're here at Ignite Church this morning, so I'm going to say, get it going with what's going on here. And say, God, I, I want to be a part of what, what's happening. Get plugged in and follow God and go down the right path with a bunch of other people that are doing the same thing. That is so helpful. If, we're gonna, if we do these things... 
We'll, get into, we'll, we'll be able to come to life and experience what life is really about, the best version of the life, or the best version of our own lives, the life that God made for us. And you know what else will happen? People, not just us, because, I mean, let's face it, we, we need to know what's in it for me, but not just you and me, but people around us will get to pick up on it. And they may begin to, begin to experience life too. You might even be able to help one of them do the same thing. Y'all stand up with me. Let's pray together. I want to pray for you, and then if there's, if you came this morning needing personal prayer, we will have people ready and willing to pray for you personally this morning. They will take the time for you, and that'll be right up here on either side of the stage once we're heading out of here today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person in here today. God, we, we just say, please help us to choose the, the right direction. Help us to go down that, that, that path of truth and the best version of our lives. God, we don't, we don't need death in our life. Please help us. Please fix the things where we've just messed them up. Please forgive us for failing and choosing to go the opposite direction of what was right. Pray that you help us to know and want and grab hold of the right choices for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.